1: This episode of the Single Tracks podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like you get special life insurance rates. Go to healthiqcom Singletracks to support the show and learn more.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff, and today Aaron and Greg and I are going to be talking about bike fitting. Getting the right mountain bike fit doesn't end at buying the right size bike frame. In fact, that's just the beginning. For those who have ever experienced pain or discomfort on the bike, there's a good chance that dialing in bike fit could be the solution. Not only that, a good bike fit can even make you faster. So Greg, I want to start by asking you, what are some signs that someone has a bad bike fit?
2: One of the key signs that your bike fit is off is pain. And so often we just assume that mountain biking is supposed to be a painful sport or activity. And while it isn't an easy sport and you know, many types of pain definitely happen along the way. There's a lot of types of pain that you just shouldn't experience and that can often be alleviated through a bike fit. Some of these examples include low back pain, knee pain, numbness, pretty much anywhere, but especially in the saddle area or the hands and the wrists, other pain in the hands and wrists, shoulders, other joints, basically just about any other pain than a good burn in your muscles. And sometimes, your muscles could even be burning more than they need to if your fit is off
1: yeah in our recent uh, bike maintenance podcast i talked about how you can tell if there's an issue with your bike by just paying attention and listening to it and it's a similar kind of thing with your body obviously no one knows your body as well as you do so if something hurts or just doesn't feel right then you probably need to make an adjustment it's better not to ignore those things
0: Yeah, listening to your body is always a great idea. Greg, you mentioned fatigue and, you know, having that burning pain in your muscles. Sometimes
2: that's not right. Yeah. I mean, so a bike fit can increase your power and can prevent undue fatigue, like having a proper fit. But sometimes some of these things are hard to quantify if you've never experienced a really good fit. Like it's easier to go from a good fit to a bad fit and feel how. The bad fit is bad, mm-hmm. but for instance, I think a lot of times we, if we're not experienced with a good fit, we might normalize certain types of pain, both fatigue, but like, for instance, I think a good example is low back pain. I always used to think, you know, a certain amount of low back pain was just, that was mountain biking, but then I got a really good fit and I was like, that was like literally the only thing I changed and it cured my low back pain. So mm. we tend to normalize things that don't need to be normalized all the time.
1: Right. And yeah, if you're new to riding too, it's going to be hard to tell if that fatigue is because your muscles haven't adapted to riding or if it's something to do with the fit. But if you have been riding for a long time and let's say you get a new bike and you're feeling fatigued in a in a different way than you had before, it's probably due to the fit of your bike.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I notice right away is like if if my saddle is way down, you know, if I've got my dropper post down and then I try to, you know, pedal around a little bit, I can tell my muscles are just super burned from that. And that's just a good way to, I guess, understand what we're talking about when we say fatigue that, um, you know, if you try a real extreme fit on your bike, you know, meaning like slamming the seat way down, you can, you can tell that that is not right at all right away. And so, There's definitely a right level and a wrong level. Let's talk about control. That's another sign. If you have poor control, that's a sign that you don't have the right bike fit, right?
2: Um, Possibly bike fit. And I think this really plays into the bike size a lot. But if you can't properly steer your bike and your bike isn't going where you want it to go, and like if you feel out of control on your bike, a bike fit could possibly help. Or maybe you need a different bike size. There could be some really big issues at play here.
1: Yes. Things to look for along that line. If you're struggling to keep the the front wheel tracking straight on the climbs, or if you can't keep enough weight on the front wheel in the turns, if you feel like it's pushing, you know, some of these issues can be resolved by changing your body position, but they can also be related to your fit.
0: Right. Well, we talked about some of the things that are going to happen if you don't have a good bike fit, some of the negative things. What are the advantages on the flip side, once you do have a good bike fit, uh, Greg, what about injuries? How's that going to help you with that?
2: So having a good fit is going to reduce your risk of injuries. So according to professional bike fitter Eddie O'Day, who we've interviewed on this podcast before, he said, quote, the most common injuries are from overuse, repetitive use, uh, end quote. And a lot of those things can be prevented or cured through a bike fit. And now I personally use bike fits, uh, not only to prevent overuse injuries, but to, like I said, to cure some, uh, I've come back from the brink of injuries. I thought would end my mountain biking career by focusing on the basics of good bike fit and good form on the bike. So some possible overuse injuries you could have, uh, tendinitis, tend- tendinopathy, uh, nerve damage and possible like tears and other muscular and skeletal issues.
0: Yeah. And aside from, you know, more serious things like injury, uh, you're also going to be more comfortable if you have a good bike fit, right? Which is going to let you ride longer and farther and just have fun.
2: Oh, for sure. That's a big one for me is uh, increased comfort on the bike. Because if I'm comfortable, I'm having a more fun time. I'm enjoying myself. And if I'm comfortable for long periods of time, I can go longer and um, get better. But you know, the benefit is you don't have to sacrifice, necessarily sacrifice things like performance to get that increased comfort. Um, By working on your fit, you can maybe get both of those.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of performance, how can a good bike fit help you in that department, Aaron? Well, it can definitely
1: improve your pedal stroke, right? So if you have a more efficient pedal stroke, you're going to be able to deliver more power and at less energy. That's all about efficiency. Um, So that's going to allow you to ride longer and just you know, going back to the the comfort side of it, like if you're more comfortable, you are gonna be able to ride longer, and you're gonna be, before your muscles give out or before you feel fatigued, so yeah, you're gonna have better power, more efficiency, your handling can improve, so you know you're gonna be more confident going through sections of trail, obviously better stamina, and faster recovery, you know because you're not going to feel so terrible at the end of your ride,
0: absolutely. Well, we've talked about some of the things that might indicate that a person has a bad bike fit, and then hopefully we've convinced people that getting a good bike fit is going to have a lot of benefits. So let's talk about some of the basic fit items that riders can start with to check and make sure that they have the right fit on their bike. So what about bike frames? How do you find the right frame size? And what are some indications that maybe you have the wrong frame size?
2: So an indication we talked about that you might have the wrong frame size is not being able to control the bike like we discussed above. But, you know, to focus on getting the right frame size, lots of times you can start by just like looking up online a basic size chart from the brand you're looking at, putting in your height, and that will get you heading in the right direction. It can start getting complicated if you're between sizes. Um, But usually that's a pretty good indicator, especially since you only have a certain number of frames to choose from. But if you're buying from a bike shop, hopefully they can help you out too.
0: Yeah. I was just thinking in the old days, you know, mountain bikers would kind of size a frame just by standing over the bike. You know, they throw a leg over it and make sure there's some clearance there. And they say, yeah, that's my bike size. But these days you can't get away with that at all because bikes have these really low standover heights regardless of the size. So like even if you're a really short rider, you may be able to stand over an extra large mountain bike frame, but clearly that's not the right size.
1: Yeah, lots of manufacturers uh, get the standover heights really low for a few reasons, but mainly it's to allow the use of longer dropper posts. The benefit to the rider is that you have more options for frame sizes, whereas previously maybe you would have been firmly a medium or firmly a large just based on the standover. You now are able to choose a frame that you prefer based on the reach measurement. So, um, you know, depending on how long of a bike you like or how long your arms are, there's just more options. So always, um, it's best to test ride a bike if you can, especially if you're on the cusp of recommended frame sizes.
0: Yeah, that's a really good recommendation. And it's a good point that the frame sizes are no longer really limited for people. People really, you really can find the frame size that works for you. Um, even if, you know, say your standover isn't quite right for it. We also, we've actually written an entire article, believe it or not, about finding the right mountain bike frame size. So if you're curious about that and want some more information, be sure to search single tracks for that article. So we also have an article about, uh, setting the right seat height. And this is one that I recently did some research on. And there are a few sort of rules of thumb for getting the right seat height on your bike. One that I like is setting the seat at your hip height. So generally uh, you're going to want to set the height of the seat at the top of like your hip bone. And then the other one is to take your inseam and measure by, get your pencil out, 0.883. And that'll tell you supposedly your seat height. And with that number, what you're actually measuring is from the bottom bracket to the top of the saddle. And that's the reason you do that is because that's where your legs are connected, right? They're from the seat to the pedal um, and it doesn't really matter. The bottom bracket height could be different on bikes, but your seat height is always going to stay the same. So Greg, what are some things to look for to get an indication of whether you have the right seat height or if you need to make an adjustment?
2: So I usually start, if I'm doing this on my own, I'm just trying to wing it. Maybe I'm on a test bike for a day. I don't need to be super close, but I want to be pretty close. I usually start with hip height and then I hop on the bike to adjust it further. So once I've hopped on, uh, one of the best ways i found to set seat height without knowing your fit number measuring it is by taking your leg and putting your heel on your pedal at the 6 o'clock position, which is a low position. And in that position, generally speaking, your leg should be perfectly straight but you shouldn't be rocking off the saddle and then if you move your ball of your foot onto your pedal which is where it should be for pedaling power that should produce a slight bend in your knee when all the way extended so you're not overextending and your hips not rocking a big thing to look for is hip rocking on the saddle like you're rocking off of it to try to reach the pedals that's a big no-no and can cause a lot of issues higher up the chain so if that's happening you're too high if you're having knee pain, lots of fatigue, too low, most likely. But honestly, you know we're, we're really simplifying this a lot. And there's a lot more numbers than just height that go into your seat and a lot more factors that actually contribute to seat height. So for instance, if you have your seat too far forward, that's going to make you further forward over the pedals. And you might actually jack your seat up a little bit to get the positions I described with your leg. But if your knee over spindle is correct, you might need to come down a little bit because you're going to be sitting a little bit further back. So I always recommend professional bike fit. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Aaron, what do you think? Different bikes have different angles on them, different seat tube angles. Is Does that play a factor at all in the seat height? Is that something that maybe needs to be adjusted bike by bike?
1: Uh, I mean, it definitely can if you want to get really precise about. I mean, like Greg said, depending on like the angle of the seat tube relative to the bottom bracket and also the position of your saddle on the rails, you know, you can obviously slide that back and forth. That's all going to have, you know, a small impact, but it will have an impact on your proper seat height but for just generally getting it close. If you're demoing bikes or something like that, then you can just measure it. And what I like to do is measure from the center of your bottom bracket, so the center of your cranks, essentially, and measure to the top of your saddle. And that will get you really close to um, to your proper saddle height, at least for for testing purposes.
0: Right. That's great advice. Okay, after the break, we're going to talk about sizing different components and how you can get the most out of your current bike uh, based on the parts that you put on it. So stay tuned. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for mountain bikers. Just like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health conscious lifestyle. Hey Jeff, how's your son Reed liking his little big bike? Taking him out on any single track yet? He's loving it. At four years old, it's really awesome to see how he naturally just wants to like session new stuff over and over again until he figures it out. We're not out on the trails much yet, but it's only a matter of time. I bet they grow up so fast. So it sounds like fun. It is. But having a kid is also a big responsibility. When we had our first child. Lee and I started looking into life insurance for the first time and it was a little overwhelming. Fortunately, Health IQ makes the process fairly easy and their fitness quizzes are kind of fun. Sort of like calling up one of your riding buddies for a hookup. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash singletracks and be sure to
1: mention the promo code singletracks when you talk to one of their helpful agents.
0: Well, there are infinite choices when it comes to component sizes and configurations, so I wanted to address some common symptoms of a poor bike fit and talk about parts to consider adjusting or replacing to fix those problems. So... Greg, one of the things that you mentioned was saddle sores or a tender bum, as I like to call it. This could be the saddle itself or it could be the saddle position, right?
2: Heck yeah, there's a lot that can go into this. You know, saddle position could drastically affect it, the saddle itself. You know you could even get saddle sores from a perfect setup if you increase your mileage pretty quickly like it's it's easy to do Another thing to consider is making sure you have the right saddle width for your seat bones and Now I didn't do this for years, and I paid the price for it because the stock saddle on your bike might be too narrow or too wide for your sit bones because everybody's sit bones are a bit different, and you can actually um go to a fitter or most bike shops sit on something that's going to allow you to measure your sit bones. And once you know your seat width, you can then sample a bunch of different cells that are all in the same width to then find the one that's most comfortable for you. Uh, I found out I was like 155 was like the perfect saddle size for me. And all the cells I was using before that were way too narrow, which meant uh, I was sitting on my soft tissue and not my actual bones. And so you can imagine how uh, that's not very comfortable.
0: Yeah. And, a lot of times too i mean it it for a lot of people it is the saddle itself you know it's it's not the right width or doesn't have enough padding in some cases but there are also things you can do in terms of the saddle position front to back so if you've ever installed a saddle or you know peeked down there at the rails you'll see there are little markings on the saddle rails itself that allow you to move that saddle forward and back and that's going to help fit the bike to you so if you're find yourself reaching a little bit too much, you're not going to be sitting on the right part of the saddle. So you can adjust the saddle, push it forward or back to make that work for you. And then there's saddle height itself, which we talked about earlier. Um, but again, if, if your saddle is too high, that's a problem. But if it's too low, you're going to be putting more weight on the saddle perhaps than you need to. So definitely keep that in consideration. Yeah, one more thing on
1: the um, sit bones that... It- It really is. I mean, you know, it's they vary from person to person. And I mean, I'm, you know, much larger than Greg, but I actually have narrower sit bones. So I think mine are more around like the 142 to 145. So yeah, just because you're a smaller person, like don't necessarily think that you need like a super narrow saddle. You know, so it it really is just varies. From individual to individual. One way you can measure at home, like if you don't have a bike shop nearby or you you know, you want to order a saddle online or something like that, you can just take a sheet of paper and you know, wearing like either a chamois or just your undies or something, take a piece of paper, put it on a chair that has a little bit of a cushion to it and then like sit down firmly on it. And your sit bones will make indentations in that piece of paper. And then you can just, you know, mark the center of each indentation and measure the distance between those. And that will give you your sit bone width. And then you can kind of match that to whichever saddle will work best for you. And kind of along the lines about having a a tender bum, it could be your chamois. If you are wearing a chamois, maybe it's time for a new one or maybe it's time for, you know, a different pad or a thicker pad or something like that. So that can, that can also really improve your comfort. Um, while it's not necessarily a fit item, it'll definitely make rides better.
0: Yeah. I really like that tip. I'm going to try that right now. I'm sitting in a comfy office chair. I'm going to put a piece of paper down and see what my sit bones are.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's great. One other thing to think about with a saddle position, if you're talking about um, a sore bum, which we haven't discussed yet, is the angle of your saddle. And now for years, I thought like lots of people do their saddle on the level, which means perfectly level if your bike is just sitting on the ground. Some people even tip their saddle nose down because they're like, oh, the saddle nose is digging into my soft tissue. And I actually found out in a fit um, that I did that your saddle needs to be actually a Touch nose up, and my bike fitter does about a degree to two degrees, depending on the person. Nose up on the saddle, and that's because if your saddle is nose down or flat, you end up sliding forward on it. Which then you you know the narrow part of the saddle is digging in where you don't want it. So if you put a touch nose up just a little bit, that's going to allow you to get your sit bones where they should be on the saddle without you sliding off of it. So that was a new one to me, which I thought was pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. I mean, it's pretty amazing how adjustable seats are. You know, the, you can go forward and backward. You can do angles. You can adjust the height. And there's a reason for that because everybody has sort of a different preference and different needs. And so don't be afraid to fidget around with that a little bit and find the right setting for your body.
1: Yeah. One thing I would caution is yeah, definitely feel free to fiddle around with your fit but you don't want to go changing a bunch of things at once like you want to change one variable at a time so let's say you want to adjust the angle of your saddle do that and then ride it but don't adjust the angle of your saddle and slide your seat forward and lower your seat post right. height you know because that way who knows which of those things is is going to help you or hurt
0: you yes absolutely It's a great tip Now on to shoulder or neck pain. What are some of the parts to consider adjusting or swapping out if you're feeling shoulder or neck pain from mountain biking?
1: There are a lot of things. I mean, basically that's going to be your your cockpit. So that's going to be your stem and your handlebars. And obviously there's numerous things that could come into play here. It could be how wide or narrow your bar is. It could be the geometry of your bar. So that would be how much rise it has, how much back sweep there is, how much up sweep there is. It could be your stem. So that could be your stem length, the angle of your stem, either positive or negative rise. And it could be the whole, the whole height of your cockpit. So whether you have spacers underneath your stem or not, that could all attribute to having uh, neck pain. And also it could just be a sign that uh, maybe you should do a little cross training and build up some uh, upper body strength. I know that's something I definitely struggle with. But yeah, having a stronger back and arms and stuff like that are going to help eliminate some of that pain.
0: Yeah. With all of this stuff, it's it can be really frustrating because there are so many variables that contribute to this. So with shoulder and neck pain, you know, like Aaron said, it, it could be your bar. It could be a lot of things about just the bar. You know, it could be the width or the angle or the position of it up and down. There's the, like you said, the stem. But not only that, then you got to think about like, well, maybe your helmet's too heavy or your muscles aren't strong enough or something in some area. It could even be your camel back. So really what this is all about is eliminating some of the factors and trying to really dial in and figure out what it is and then fixing that thing but bike fit is definitely a process and we're going to talk about it later about how you can sort of speed up this process and make sure you're doing it the right way but for now these are just things that you should consider if you're experiencing some pain
1: yeah if you're if you're getting pain in between your your shoulder blades especially I mean, that can be a sign that maybe you're, you're too stretched out or you're sitting too low. So you're hinging too much at your hips and that's causing you to have to like raise your head to look up. And that's just, you know, that's just going to kill the middle of your back right in between your shoulder blades. You know, I used to race a ton across country. So like I had a very kind of low and stretched out fit, but the more. I've moved away from that, even still racing now, I prefer kind of a more upright fit. I feel like it's more comfortable and it also allows me to breathe better since I'm not like folded in half. You know, my <laughs> chest is nice and open and I don't have to, you know, use my muscles so much to like lift my head up in from, uh, you know, in between my shoulders.
0: Yeah, that's great. So moving down from the shoulders and neck a little bit, what about back pain Particularly lower back pain. What's that an indication of in terms mm-hmm. of the
1: fit? Yeah, could be a bunch of things. Again, I mean, it could be your your saddle position, uh, your saddle height could have something to do. Like I like we were just talking about with your your handlebar and stem. Like I've I've tested a few cross country bikes that had you know cross country length stems on them, you know ninety or hundred millimeters long or or longer. And you know after riding those bikes for longer, you know two to three hours. I started developing, you know, lower back pain. So switching to a shorter stem and like getting a little bit more of that upright position helped me in those situations.
0: Excellent. Okay. Moving down even further, what about foot, leg, and knee pain? What
2: could that indicate, Greg? All right. We've got a lot of different things going on there. So starting with your feet, uh, there are a few different things. One could be the fit of your shoes, um, possibly your cleat position. A good bike fitter, if you work with one, should help set your cleat position for you. Adjusting that can actually make a big difference. Another thing to consider with your feet are the possibility of needing insoles. Are insoles going to be beneficial to you? Or if you had insoles that came in your shoes, are they the right size for you? They could be too big. They could be too small. Uh, A lot to look at there. Uh, knee pain is a really big one, big issue that is, and you definitely don't want knee pain. If you're experiencing knee pain, something is very off and that can be very damaging over the long term. A big thing that plays into knee pain is your knee over spindle number, or which is basically how far forward or back you are in relation to the bottom bracket in your pedals. And if you're too far back or forward, not great for your knees this is a number that's often overlooked if you're not working with a professional bike fitter. Like if you're just jumping on a bike, most of the time people don't consider where their knee ends up in relation to their pedals. So that's a, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah. I was going to say that could be a really hard thing to diagnose, you know, because bike fitter is someone they can, they can watch you do your pedal stroke and, you know, they may use video or lasers or different things. And uh, yeah it's, lasers. Not, yeah, it's not something that you can just, you know, kind of static, like sit on the bike and get out your measuring tape and figure it out. Like you definitely need to see your pedal stroke in action.
2: Well, one thing you can do, uh, the easiest way to make sure your knee over spindle is correct is to get your pedals at, what would that be? Three and nine and then you can get a plumb line which is basically a string with a weight on the end of it and it should measure from your knee basically straight down to your spindle and it should be a pretty straight line making sure i've got this right in my head but you know there's a lot that goes into it making sure you're measuring off the right part of the knee you know it's hard to take that measurement on your own so there's still quite a bit that goes into it even if you can measure it
0: yeah that's interesting all right. What about wrist and hand pain? What's something that that indicates?
2: Um, I think Aaron actually jumped in or covered a lot of this with his cockpit issue be, because, again, it relates to all your cockpit stuff. You know, the height of your cockpit, your bars, um, your grips, a bunch of that stuff. If you're having a lot of wrist and hand pain, it's possible you just are putting too much weight onto that bar. And that relates to like your saddle to bar drop. Like where is your saddle in relation to your bar? And this, especially for taller riders can be a really big issue because you physically might not be able to get the the fit you want. Like your saddle could be way above where your bars are based on the design of mountain bikes these days and, uh, and your height. Whereas since I'm a shorter guy, it's usually not as big of an issue, but with bike fitters, that are really conscious of this. You're seeing a lot of bike fitters put like really tall rise stems, which aren't in vogue, but they can really help um, alleviate a lot of this pain and dis- discomfort for sure.
1: Yeah, one of the one of the things that a lot of companies have done is they've tried to really cut down on the head tube heights, uh, especially on 29ers, so that shorter riders can get the uh, you know get their bars at the right amount of uh, drop from the saddle to the bars. Cause obviously you don't want your bars like above your saddle. Then it's like you ride a beach cruiser. <laughs> but unfortunately a lot of that has carried over to like the extra large frames as well. And like Greg was saying, you have really tall riders that run into issues with like not being able to get their setup tall enough unless they run, you know, a foot of spacers underneath their stem or something like that.
0: Yeah. And, This one is a really good illustration of looking beyond sort of the obvious problem. So for me, if if I had wrist or, or hand pain, I might think that, oh, you know, it's my grips. I need to get some of those Ergon grips or something and that'll help my wrist. But hopefully we're making it clear that a lot of these things are very interrelated. You know, the pain at your wrist could be coming from having a saddle that's too high or bars that are not in the right spot. And so, yeah, it really takes some real investigation to figure out exactly what you can do to help eliminate that pain. Okay, so we talked about all the potential problems, all the potential signs that you need to get a better bike fit. How can riders get the right fit for themselves? What are some of the methods that they can use to make sure that they have a good bike fit?
2: Well, I'm going to come right out and say that I 100% encourage everyone to get a professional bike fit. That means paying a professional to fit you on your bike, and I recommend on every bike you ride. And I'll talk a little bit about some of your options, though. So um, another possibility, though, if you want to try to save money, you can possibly get one fit on one bike. And if you're good with the measuring tape and can understand the geometry differences from bike to bike, it's possible you could duplicate your fit numbers across all of your other bikes which would save you time. And that'd be great. So you might balk at the price. Um, A bike fit is generally around 300 bucks. Uh, Here in Salida at Absolute, it's 275. But if I had just fitted all my bikes um, professionally from the get-go, I would have probably saved myself hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars in medical expenses by this point in time. So now I'm to the point where I don't ride a bike for more than a couple hours unless it's got a professional fit on it. So uh, I think focusing on bike fit has been one of the best decisions I've ever made. But now, I was just actually in Absolute Bikes recently, and they do bike fitting, which I've done with them before, but they also have a thing called bike sizing. And bike sizing, if you just bring in a bike and have it sized, it's 50 bucks. If you buy a bike from them, it's free. But it's actually a 45-minute process that covers almost everything we've already talked about including you know sit bone width measurement on the saddle, cleats on the shoes, saddle height fore and aft, knee over pedal, reach and handlebars. You know that's about a 45 minute process. Their full bike fit on the other hand, and I should mention I'm um, bringing up Absolute as an example because they're one of the first BG body fit certified shops in the nation dating back like 15 some years which is um specialized specific bike fitting process. So their body geometry, body geometry. Yes. So if you want to go the body geometry route, that includes a full body evaluation, uh, including flexibility issues, dealing with old injuries. And then the full blown fit with the body evaluation allows you to possibly achieve more specific goals with your fit, which we've talked about a little bit, things like racing versus comfort versus maybe different kinds of racing, like XC enduro or bikepacking. So more of that can be done, but I was pretty stoked to hear that the bike sizing for just 50 bucks or free, you know, is uh covers so much stuff.
0: Yeah, that is, that seems like a great deal.
1: Yeah, I would definitely, uh, I just want to hit on the point that Greg made there at the end. Be sure your bike fitter knows what your goals are with your fit. I know I've had some friends that have had issues with their fit and they were uncomfortable or had injuries and they went and got a bike fit but they went to somebody who does bike fits for racers and so they ended up with a really racy fit and then they weren't any more comfortable on it so you need to be very clear that like about what kind of rider you are like uh, yes i'm racing or i'm racing cross country i'm racing endurance i'm racing enduro or maybe you're just a casual rider, but you want to be comfortable. Or like Greg said, you could be bikepacking. So that that's a really important consideration to uh, take into account.
2: I definitely agree with that. I think the sign of a really good bike fitter is going to one person who can do all those things and not just do one type of fit. So that's something to look for if you're trying to choose a fitter. Can this person do a bunch of different bike fits or do they just do everybody the same way? Hmm.
0: Well, a lot of people listening to this podcast Probably don't want a bike fitter. That's why they're listening to this podcast. They want the quick and easy way. They're, they're do it yourselfers. So what about those people? What else can they do to get a decent bike fit without going to a bike fitter? Have you guys tried any of the tutorials or watched online videos? Are any of those good? How do, what do you look for? And how do you know if what you're seeing is accurate or
2: it's going to work? I'm, just, I'm honestly not going to recommend that. I think everybody should get their bike fit. I really do. If you're buying a let's say you go to a shop, you're buying a $700 bike, you go to a shop and they're going to throw in a 45 minute bike sizing um for free. Do that bike sizing. I <laughs> mean that's that's what I would do. And then once you have your bike sized, uh you can keep those fit numbers, maybe keep a little spreadsheet of them. They'll probably give them to you and then you try to use those, but I don't know. I'm not a fan of doing it yourself anymore. I just can't recommend it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I will say that it's one of the top queries that we see on our website. And I think across the web in general, when it comes to mountain biking, you know, it's one of those basic questions people have about finding the right size because, you know, that's what you need to know when you buy your first bike. What size do I need? Um, and then it's also once people have been riding a little bit and they are feeling uncomfortable, they're really not sure What to do, you know, how to improve that fit. So it's definitely something that people are trying to figure out. And for whatever reason, I guess they are avoiding the professional bike fitter.
1: Yeah. I think it, I think it's just that that costs, like Greg said, I think people are a little reluctant to drop that kind of money, which is understandable. But I've seen some tutorials and videos that are, are a little bit helpful. I mean, thankfully mildly helpful, mildly. I'm not as particular about my, my fit as greg is um thankfully you know knock on wood i haven't had any injuries i did have a achilles injury last fall from overuse but that was from hiking my bike so it wasn't actually
0: (laughs) stay on your bike related to the fit
1: yeah but uh yeah i think you can get you know you can get pretty close and you can make um slight adjustments like i said if you're adjusting one thing at a time i would say just make sure it's a reputable source again if it's just like some guy in his garage with a cell phone <laughs> telling you to try to how to how to fit your bike you know yeah. maybe he's not the best uh, the best person to to do so
0: yeah i think maybe part of it too is that people who have done bike fits before um they may come come out of it realizing that they need to spend a lot more money on their bike and it can be tough i i personally um have felt At times from bike fittings that it was kind of a salesy process, which, you know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe that's just me being like, yeah, really uh, skeptical about stuff, but like, you know, you're going to go through this process and then they're going to say, okay, well, you know, really this saddle would be better for you. And this, these handlebars are going to give you the reach that you need. And it can be more than just the cost of the fitting itself. Um, I will warn people that, you know, you'll pay, you may pay 300 bucks, but then, they also give you a list of parts that you need to swap out and if you're doing it at your local bike shop, hey, they actually sell those parts, which is convenient. So, <laughs> so just keep that in mind and, and I guess I'm just saying that too, not really to warn people and to scare you off from doing it, but um, maybe just to, I guess, empathize with those people who are skeptical and they're trying to find ways to do it uh, that don't involve going to a bike fitter.
2: So, one thing I will, one caveat I will throw in here is, you know, I'm, I've been pretty negative about, you know, doing it yourself, but I think you need to think about how much you're riding, how hard you're riding, and the type of riding you're doing. So, if you are doing straight enduro or downhill, Bike fit honestly doesn't do a heck of a lot when you're going down. Most of it has to do with pedaling. Because once you've got your saddle out of the way and you're standing on your bike, you can do some stuff with your cockpit, but there's not a heck of a lot going on. Your bike, your body is going to be in the position it's in above the bike regardless. And if you ride your bike like once a week, once every other week for five to ten miles, is a bike fit going to make a big difference? It might make some difference, but you know, if you start talking about like hundreds of miles of biking per week, all of a sudden, you know, you're spending hours and hours and hours on your bike. So I think that's one thing to consider is how much are you biking and how serious are you about it? And if you're serious, you know, then I, that's where the pro stuff really comes into play.
1: Yeah. I would, I would disagree a little bit with you on the enduro thing. Cause yeah, I mean, once your saddle's out of the way and you're descending, bike fit isn't as important, but With enduro, you still got to climb the entire rest of the day. So you don't want to have just a whacked out fit for that portion of it. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to perform as well on the descents as you could be able to.
2: Right. Oh, I agree. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say is like downhill, when you're actually going downhill, not as big of a deal. So like if you're doing, say, shell runs and maybe you've got to pedal like 15 minutes out of your like two hour ride, that sort of equation that you're running. Yeah, you probably – (laughs) yeah.
0: Yeah. It should, we should still mention though, like, like we said at the beginning that bike fit does affect your handling and your control. So even downhill bikers, they do, especially pros, they will get a bike fit. Um, so nobody, nobody's exempt. Everybody has a need for a bike fit. There is some uh, performance gains that you can get out of that. I was going to ask you guys, this kind of came up. Is there sort of certification that you look for in a bike fitter? How do you know that someone is legit? Greg, you mentioned the specialized body geometry fit system. I know there's another one called Wobble Knot uh, that's kind of, they've got their system and they license people to like go out and be the Wobble Knot fitters. Are there other certifications like that? Do you guys think that's important uh, to know when you're choosing somebody? I personally don't know enough of the difference between the,
1: the various certifications that there are, but I think I would be more comfortable going with someone that's at least certified in something instead of just like, <laughs> you know, Fred's bike fitting in his shed, right?
2: Yeah, basically what Aaron said. Um I, I think each fitting like certification has a bit different philosophy. So if you're really into it, you can like maybe interview them, be like, well, what do you want to do and why do you want to do that? But some of these basics that we're talking about, like for instance, knee over spindle, most people are going to do the exact same thing to try to achieve that for you.
0: Yeah, good. And two, there's nothing that says you can't do both of the things here that we're talking about, you know, the DIY versus the go to a professional. So you can definitely read tutorials, watch videos online beforehand, And then when you meet with a, a professional fitter, You can at least understand what they're doing a little bit more. You can ask better questions um, and make sure that you really do get the full advantage out of that. So once your fit is dialed, how do you make sure that everything stays dialed when it comes time to upgrade or to buy a new bike? Greg, you kind of touched on this before. What What's your approach to that?
2: there's a few different, uh, parts to that equation. So one thing is you can keep your fit numbers, like keep a file of them. Um, and if you work with a really good fitter, they'll, they should send you like an entire document of the fit they did with you, the numbers they arrived at, usually the numbers they started at lots of data that you can use on your own after the fact. So this could be a good long-term investment. Another thing I try to do with, uh, upgrades and changes is work with a, a bike shop and a mechanic that knows the importance of bike fit so for an example is like i've had to warranty a dropper post a lot of times i want my saddle to be in the exact same position it was before i brought my bike in so working with a, a mechanic that's conscious of that is really good you'd be surprised how many mechanics aren't you know they just throw it on there and be like oh well it's a saddle you know it's not just a saddle if you paid 300 bucks for your bike fit you know
0: And then what about, what about if you're buying a new bike, you kind of mentioned that you're a fan of getting a specific fit for every single bike. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying?
2: I've had all my bikes in my line right now, professionally fit for some of them. Like we did a really intensive fitting on the front end and usually like, let's say you have three bikes, you can usually get a discount for the fit on the other few bikes because once you've got your numbers, they translate pretty closely to all your bikes. There are possible considerations you might want for like say things that are drastically different like a road bike versus an enduro bike but your position in space over the bike while pedaling might end up being very similar. But as for buying a new bike, maybe you're going to want a new fit. So you might want to consider buying from a shop that'll give you a discounted rate on a fit or something like Absolute Bikes 45 uh, minute bike sizing which comes free with the bike purchase. You know, now you're talking about some of the benefits of Buying from a reputable brick-and-mortar store over going, say, online direct-to-consumer because you have the support of hopefully a fully equipped shop and maybe some discounts associated there.
1: Yeah, one of the other benefits, potential benefits of going with a shop is they might work with you if there are some components that you need to switch out, right? Like if you buy a brand new bike from them and you need a different length stem or maybe you need a different width bar or a different saddle or something like that, a lot of times you know, you can get that swapped out and maybe it won't cost you anything. So you might be paying for the fit, but you know, you won't have those other kind of hidden costs of replacing a bunch of components on your bike before you walk out the door.
0: Yeah. And hopefully after this discussion, it's clear that getting a mountain bike fit, it's not like going in to get fit for a tuxedo, right? Where you can just like, you know, they take some measurements and then they tell you exactly what you need. These fits involve you and the bike and you know, like Greg said, for the more intensive fits, you know, hours of doing different things on the bike, finding the right spot. So it's definitely not something that's just kind of plug and play where you can upload your numbers to some website and then they're going to, you know, dial in the fit for you and tell you everything to do. Uh, It's definitely, it's more of a bespoke process. Well, that's all we have for our discussion about bike fit. If you are more of the DIYer who is looking for information about this topic, be sure to listen to one of our older podcasts from a couple years ago with Chris Daniels titled Eliminating Pain Through Bike Fitting or search for some of the articles we mentioned during the show. Are you still listening? Good. That means you can't get enough of the Singletracks podcast, so you're just the person we want to talk to. Please, please take a minute to rate the Singletracks Mountain Bike Podcast. And let others know just how much you enjoy the show. That's all I've got this time. We'll talk to you again next week. Peace.